Thank you for that. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter number 7. We've been going through the book of Revelation, and I hope and pray that it's been a help to you and a blessing to you, and uh, it's been uh, an in-depth study for me. I, I've spent a lot of time reading and reading and rereading, and uh, but it's been good, and there is a blessing pronounced on those who read the book of Revelation, study it, and uh, it is for us to know, and, uh, and so praise the Lord for that. If you'll remember, we ended our last study on Revelation chapter 6, the end there, on the sixth seal. And uh, as the seventh chapter opens, uh, most of the uh, very studied people uh, would refer to this as a parenthetical. Uh, the idea that, that it's kind of like a parenthetical statement, so it opens with a parenthesis and it states something and then it will close with a parenthesis, and it's kind of interjected in the middle of the seals here. And, uh, and so we'll look at that tonight. Revelation chapter number 7, and verse number 1, the Bible says this, and after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you again for the privilege, the opportunity that we have to study your word. Father, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would give us uh, understanding hearts and understanding minds. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you would touch hearts, uh, encourage and strengthen each, each and every believer tonight. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we, uh, as we look at this, uh, we're going to see very clearly uh, the idea that it, it kind of does break from the seals. You feel that very from, from the very opening of the verse and the idea that, hey, he's not dealing with the seals. He's not dealing with all of the things that he has been dealing with. Uh, and instead, he introduces uh, really two groups of people that we'll see here in chapter 7. And uh, we saw that first group already in verse number 4. He wastes no time uh, giving the introduction of them and talking about them. And it's 144,000. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've been around and I've heard people talk about 144,000 and how they claim that their church is the 144,000. And, uh, and I always thought, that's kind of crazy. And if you read down through here, um, well, that's kind of crazy for this thought. One it is, number one, your, your group, whatever it is, can only grow to 144,000. After that, you're done. You can't have more than that. And so uh, if you do, then it all falls apart anyways. Uh, but, but besides that, uh, and really this is the root and bottom of it all, is it really doesn't line up with Scripture. Uh, when you look at this 144,000, the Bible is very clear, we will see it, that they're, they're all Jews. 
Um, and, and they're all from a tribe. I, I was reading one, uh, one preacher and, and he said, he said, whenever I run into somebody who claims that they are part of the 144,000, I ask them automatically, really, what tribe are you from? And he said they always kind of fall apart because they don't know what tribe they're from. And, and here they're clearly delineated what tribe they're from. And so uh, it's rather fascinating as we look at this. And, uh, and, and last week I tied a group uh, in chapter 6 that is under the altar uh, with this group that is described in chapter 7 in the latter part of this chapter as we will see. And while they both might have white robes, I do think they are two distinct groups. Last week I kind of put them together and uh, insinuated at least at the very minimal that they were the same and they are not the same. Uh, we see that one group in, in Revelation 6 that are under the altar in verse number 9. And this is a separate group. And, uh, and so I want to just clarify that before we get too far. And then in Revelation chapter 7, we will have two separate groups as well. Um, and again, those are not, let me say this as well, neither of those groups are to be confused with the groups in Revelation chapter 4 that have the white raiment. Uh, those are clearly the saved uh, saints that have been raptured out. And I'll say this, uh, I've said it several times and I'll, I'll continue to say this, just to, for our clarification and for our understanding, the first part of Revelation and the first three chapters really, there's many messages that are written to the church. And I find it fascinating because in chapter 4, uh, he, says, he says to come up, and uh, after that, it says there's a trumpet, and after that, you do not see the church mentioned furthermore in the book of Revelation. And I say that to point out the fact that, hey, uh, that the, I believe, the Bible's clear on this, in my opinion, that the church will be raptured out. Those who are saved and born again uh, are going to, the, the trumpet will sound, and we will be called out of here. And then from that point forward, we find all of these things unfolding and taking place. You'll remember that there was a scene in heaven uh, that unfolded in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 uh, where we're worshiping the Lamb. And, uh, and then that book is introduced and it said, hey, who's worthy to open those seals? It was sealed with seven seals. And you'll remember those seven seals, uh, the Lamb, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ himself, was the only one worthy to open the book. And he opens that book in Revelation Revelation chapter 6 and starts to, uh, excuse me, he starts to open the seals rather in Revelation chapter 6 and those have been revealed all the way up to the sixth seal. Now we're in chapter 7 and there's this parenthetical statement uh, that, that seems to be a, a break from what we were looking at and a new scene. And I want you to notice in verse number 7 again, in verse number 1, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And we're going to see in, in at least these first, we, we didn't read 4 through 8, but we'll see uh, uh, in these first eight verses, the sealing of, of these Jews and how they are sealed. I want you to notice as the scene opens up that, uh, that John first notes uh, these angels on the four corners. 
And, uh, and, and there's many Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled. Uh, we will not forsake a time, look at all of them. I don't think time would allow us anyways. Uh, but um, I had to stop and think Habakkuk. I, I was listening this week to a podcast and they say Habakkuk in, in, in Canada. And then in, in Spanish, we also say Habakkuk. And so I had to think for a minute because you don't say that word very often, Habakkuk. Uh, 3.2 the, says this. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. And we're going to find that that in this chapter. We're going to find a little bit of mercy that we find, which is a break after all of the destruction that has taken place, all of the war and all of the things that have been unleashed thus far. And so we see these uh, four angels on the four corners of the earth controlling the weather. And, uh, uh, and, and I want you to note this, that um, the Bible says this, Go with me to Matthew 5. Save your spot here, Revelation. we got time to look at this verse. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. Matthew 5, 45. We see we're talking about these four angels and we see this scene that unfolds. And he says here in Matthew 5, 45, that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Um, that's not the verse. Never mind. Skip that verse. I had that in my notes. I don't know why. But um, I do know why, but, but we, I skipped that part. So... Uh, but, but we notice those four angels that are holding and they're controlling really the winds on the, uh, uh, on the earth. And, uh, and Job 1.19 says this, we won't turn there for sake of time, but you can go to Jeremiah. Uh, Job 1.19 says, And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon uh, the young men. We're just illustrating the fact that in the Bible, the four uh, corners of the earth are often held for like all the wind. Uh, and in the book of Job, you remember when that house fell, uh, that's what it says. It's talking about how the wind of the four corners of the earth smote that house and it fell and Job's sons were killed in that house. Jeremiah chapter 49. And, uh, and we'll see some verses here. Jeremiah 49 and verse 34. I'm talking about the four corners. Jeremiah 49 and verse 34. The Bible says this, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against Elam in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the, the bow of Elam, the chief of their might. And upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven and will scatter them toward all those winds and there shall be no nation whither the outcasts of Elam shall not come. Uh, 
So we see there those four winds uh, as they're, they're released from all the ends of the earth. And so I'm just pointing out the fact that, hey, whenever you see those four corners, it's kind of, it's not the first time we see it in the Bible. We see the idea of those, uh, those four corners of the earth coming together and, and that wind uh, that's going to take place. And so we see that all those angels are there on those corners, one on each corner, four corners, and, uh, and they're standing there. And I want you to notice back in Revelation, chapter number 7, verse number 2, where we're at. Revelation 7, 2. It says in verse 2, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And so we see that this other angel is now coming up, and he has the seal. Uh, and that seal is what he's going to put the mark in the, uh, the Jewish uh, people, the, the 144,000 that we'll see, and we'll note that it's been marked in their forehead. And, uh, and so he's coming up, and, and I want you to notice uh, what he says there as he comes up in verse number 3. He says this, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And uh, last week, or maybe the week before, I remember we referenced Rev or Romans chapter number 11, and, and we referenced the fact that God said, hey, uh, listen, Israel, well, I'm not done with Israel, uh, and Israel will be saved. And uh, there's many that want to take and, and just kind of write off Israel and say, well, they're no longer, God is done with them and, and God is, is using the church in place of that. Listen, we find here that that's not true. Uh, he is going to bring back the nation of Israel. And we rem I remember reading in Romans chapter 11 that he said basically, hey, uh, the Jews have been set aside for a time that we could be saved. And to that I say, praise the Lord. Uh, if they had not been set aside, then the Gentile nations would not be saved. And so he did set them side, aside for a time, but he will come back to them. And we notice that here in these, this, this chapter uh, as he brings these, uh, these Jews back and he's sealing the forehead. And basically the angel that comes up, he's saying, hey, uh, hold the winds. Don't allow destruction yet uh, until we get done sealing the 144,000. And listen, wind can be very destructive. We live in Ohio, and so we know we've seen uh, tornadoes have come through. And uh, I remember several times over the past couple of years, you know, they say, well, tornado passed overhead or went by and uh, going up towards my house, and you just see a swath of trees that are all just, you know, all the tops of them are laid over or broken off. And wind can be very powerful. It can be very destructive force. And so here he's asking, hey, Hold off on that wind. Uh, and, and so they're sealing those 144,000. Uh, as we think about the seals, seals in the Bible serve several purposes, but they serve three main purposes. One is a protection from tampering. You remember when they threw Daniel in the lion's den, uh, they said, or before that, rather, they, they brought the idea that, hey, you're not allowed to pray to anybody, um, and they sealed it with the king's ring, with the king's signet. That was 
to protect it, saying, hey, this is strictly from the king. You'll remember when they, uh, when they put Jesus in the tomb, they sealed it with that signet, saying, hey, we, we want it protected. Nobody's touched this. Nobody's to open it. Uh, not just protection from tampering, but it also signifies an ownership uh, and saying, hey, this, is, uh, this belongs to the king. Uh, another idea is that it's genuine. In other words, a seal would be original and only that person would have access to that seal. And so it would be uh, something that would be genuine. And listen, if we take those same lessons and we apply them to our Christian life, the seal of the Holy Spirit is the same for us. Uh, listen, the seal protects us. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, you are sealed, ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So praise the Lord for that. In other words, we cannot lose our salvation. We belong to Him. He marks our own ownership of us with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And then not only that, but the seal is a genuine mark. Uh, it says in Ephesians 1.13, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Hey, look at as we listen, as we look at these servants as well, uh, they are sealed. And those three ideas would uh, apply to them, that they also are protected, they also are owned by God, and they also are genuine uh, to God. And so they're being marked there. Uh, as we look at these verses in verse number four or three, he says, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And uh, they are going to be witnesses across the earth. I want you to notice as we look at this group, uh, look at what he says there in verse number four. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. The Bible is very clear about that. So these were Jewish people uh, from the tribe of Israel. And, uh, and you go down there and, and you read it. We'll, we'll not read it, but it says there in verse 5 of the tribe of Judah, of Reuben, we find in, in, and also Gad. In, in verse 6, we find Aser, uh, Nephthalim, uh, and, and Manasseh. And as you read down through all of those tribes, you may or you may not notice there's one missing. And, and one of the one oddities that stuck out to me that Joseph was in there. Um, well, two oddities actually stood out to me. One, Levi was in there. And Levi generally is not mentioned. Uh, I go back and I, I think of the tribes and I think of uh, Joshua when they conquered the land and they gave out all of the, uh, the inheritance and said, well, this tribe is going to be there, this tribe is going to be there. And, and Levi was not mentioned. Why? Because it was a priestly tribe. Uh, they were not to inherit any of the land. So God kept them out of that inheritance. And, uh, and instead, in place of them, uh, then Joseph also was not mentioned. But instead of Joseph, then his two children, which were Ephraim and Manasseh, were mentioned. And so generally, matter of fact, I looked it up today. I, I thought, I don't think you ever find uh, the tribe of Joseph in the Bible. Uh, and you really don't. But you look here in verse number... Eight, the Bible says of the tribe of Zabulon were sealed 12,000 and of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000 and of the tribe of Benjamin. And, uh, and if you were lining these all up, these were the children of Jacob. Uh, and you go through that list, you'll find all of them except for Dan is not mentioned in this. 
And, uh, and as you, you'll notice as well, in place of Dan, uh, under Joseph, they have, I, I believe it's Manasseh that's mentioned in here, yes, in verse number 6, of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. And so there's 12,000 for every tribe, and uh, uh, we have Manasseh, and then we have Joseph, uh, and Levi is in there, but Dan is not in there. And I really don't know why. Dan is not included. I, I read several things. One of the things that I did read was that um, Dan was one of the first uh, tribes to follow after idolatry. And so perhaps because of that, I really do not have a good answer for why Dan is excluded from this list. Um, but I do know this. One day we'll know. We'll figure it out. The Lord will teach us when we get to heaven. We'll have a better understanding. Uh, but, but I really do not know. And as I was thinking about it, really, Joseph, um, if you think about it, uh, Joseph had two sons. He had uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, at least that were named as tribes. And, uh, and so, you know, I don't know. Ephraim kind of gets double played in there. Or, or maybe Manasseh, Joseph gets, uh, or Manasseh rather gets uh, mentioned twice there or uh, or, or maybe Joseph's mentioned in place of Ephraim. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about all of that, but I do know this, that they're all Israelites, every one of them. Uh, and there's 12,000 from each one of those tribes, and I'm sure there's more to that, uh, but I find it very interesting. And the Bible does say this. You can note this down in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse number 6. Uh, it says this, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up of the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. And so we do understand and we have the idea that these 144,000, they're sealed. I want you to notice this is not taking place in heaven. This is definitely taking place on earth. And they are 144,000 that are sealed so that they have the mission of taking, uh, taking the gospel uh, to the world and being a witness uh, while the tribulation is going on. And so we understand that. Uh, and we can see that very clearly. And so that's really the first group, those, those sealed Jews. And again, there are many who believe that the church replaces Israel. And then when they hit this passage, they have to make all of this allegorical. Uh, because they cannot, they cannot interpret it literally. And, and I believe the Bible's pretty clear uh, that it's literally talking about the nation of Israel. It's literally talking about the tribes of Israel. And so I don't see any reason uh, to, to exclude or, or to seek a, a better a clarification because the Bible's pretty clear uh, that there are the Jews that will be uh, brought into service uh, during this time or the Israelites. And so we find this group uh, all listed here uh, in verses 4 down through 8. We see those tribes clearly listed out with the exclusion of Dan, uh, as I noted. And so uh, I just want to give that to you by way of information. I want you to notice the second group of people. As we look really in verses 9 through 12, uh, we'll kind of walk through these verses, and I find them, they're fairly, fairly uh, understandable as we read through them. The Bible says this, after this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, 
of all nations. Let me just stop right here and say this, that the first group in chapter 7 is very clearly Jewish people, Israelites. And there's 144,000 of them. They're numbered, so we know how many there are. It's very clear. But in verse 9, uh, there's a distinction because he says this, After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. So now he's not talking about the Jews that are listed above. He's talking about a different group uh, that he is beholding. And it's very distinct. He says, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hand, hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell upon or fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. And we find this worship service breaks out in heaven. Uh, it's interesting to me because every time somebody uh, cries out to God and says, praise the Lord, that another whole worship circuit service breaks out. And, uh, and we find that these uh, angels and the beasts that are in heaven uh, fall on their faces and they start again praising the Lord uh, for everything that he's done. And so certainly God is worthy of our praise. And that's very clear throughout this passage. We notice that this is a distinct group because they can't be numbered. They're of all nations and kindreds. And, uh, and again, they're clothed in the white robes. And so we see that. And this is not the same white raiment that's rev mentioned in Revelation chapter 4. Uh, and it's distinct. And you can go through and look, look at the two groups and find them to be very distinct people. And so uh, as we look at this, notice this, we find this worship service break out. And then verse number 12 saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. So they're worshiping the Lord again. We find verse number 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Verse 14, And I said to him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so we read that verse and we find, hey, that there are the Jewish uh, 144,000 that will likely, as it says in Isaiah 49, be a light to the Gentiles and witness to those Gentile people. And there will be those who are saved. We do know they're from every nation, they're from every tongue, they're from every tribe, uh, every place. And so they're not exclusive to Jews. And, uh, and the Bible says here in verse number 14 uh, that they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so there are those who are saved during this tribulation time. Um, I will say this because uh, somebody asked me, you know, are, are people going to get saved uh, during the tribulation time? Well, we find that there are some, yes. But you could see at the very onset uh, of the tribulation, how people would not be saved. Uh, you know, we, we like to think 
obviously we like to think of people that we may know or people that maybe have had a uh, have come to church a few times or maybe heard of something and and uh, the Bible talks about a great lie being propagated remember the white horse that is unleashed and uh, and there's conquering uh, and kind of like a peace and a government that is set up and and I read this I found it very interesting. I'm not saying this is how it's going to be, but you could see, uh, obviously, if somebody uh, like perhaps the Pope is left behind. And, and people are speculating, well, the rapture has taken place and, and, and everyone, uh, many people have disappeared and, and they used to go to church and, and, and it doesn't have to be the Pope. It could be any religious leader who's lost would stand up and say, this is not God because I'm a man of faith and these guys are here. Boy, that sounds really slick. I didn't come up with that. Somebody else did. You could see how that would smooth it over and say, well, this, guy, this guy's a religious guy. Then it must not be God. Must be aliens. Must be something else. And they'll attribute it. And what I'm saying is there's going to be a strong delusion, the Bible says, and it's going to be very hard for those people to be saved. Uh, but we do find that uh, after a time in the tribulation, there are the witnesses, the Jewish witnesses that will go out. Now, you'll notice, remember, uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was a third or maybe a quarter. I a third of the earth was wiped out or a quarter of the earth. We, we talked about that back in Revelation chapter 6. Uh, and a great amount of people have already died. And so uh, you could imagine this is a, a terrible time. But now there are some witnesses that are coming out and they are witnessing. And there are those who will be saved. Notice this in verse number 15 and 16. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Uh, somebody pointed out as, as I was reading this that uh, they serve before the throne of God uh, day and night. And they said, hey, this has got to be a temple that's on earth because in heaven there is no night. And so uh, he just simply said that this must be taking place on earth. These are people that are, have been saved. They're serving God before the temple. And, uh, and then go on to verse number 16. And they shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them in unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You think about verses 15 down through 16 and 17, and you think about what is taking place on earth. And all of the destruction starts off the white horse, uh, a conquering and a kind of a peaceful time per se. And then the next was the red horse and war that will break out on earth. And then the next is the black horse that would be uh, the famine that would follow up after the war. And then the pale horse would be disease and death and hell, the Bible says, that, that come after that. And, and, uh, and we see all of that destruction. And boy, you could see how these people would know what hungering and thirsting is like. They would understand that. Uh, and now they're not hungering and thirsting anymore because God, the Lamb, is taking care of them. And, uh, and, and it says right there in verse number 17, uh, The Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
And, uh, and so these folks will be saved then in the tribulation and, uh, and their life will be changed. They'll be standing before the temple serving the Lord and God will take care of them and, uh, and provide for them. And so I think that covers chapter 7 and I hope and pray that that's helpful to you as we go through the tribulation period. Chapter 8 then uh, will pick up that seventh seal uh, as we, we pick up that, but it's just kind of a parenthetical statement that takes place uh, in chapter 7. And so uh, hopefully that helps you understand at least a little bit about the 144,000, uh, I believe, physical Jews, uh, Israelites, as the Bible would say very clearly. And then the, this group of people that probably are saved out of the tribulation period. And, uh, and we see that at least in verse number 14. And, uh, and see that they're uh, being led by God and being provided for by God. I found that interesting because we just went through uh, Psalm 23 on Wednesday night. And, and as God leads us and he is our shepherd, he'll be the shepherd for them too. Uh, you see that very clearly as he provides for them in verse 17 and, and will feed them and will lead them uh, in the living fountains of water. And so uh, what a parallel that's there. And maybe uh, Psalm 23 parallels over to that, not just our life, but even into the future uh, as we look at the revelation. So um, we see this salvation of Gentiles that are being saved. That's the second group. We see the sealed Jews and the saved Gentiles uh, in that second half of that chapter. So I hope and pray that that helps you as we continue to just kind of walk through the book of Revelation and, uh, and give you an idea of what's going on there as we read that. All right, as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for the book of Revelation that we can study it, God, that we can learn from it, God, that we can learn more about you and about end times. And God, I pray that you would help us to have minds of understanding as we look at the scriptures and, and understand them. And God, thank you for the privilege of having a glimpse into the future. And God, I pray that you would uh, help us to be thankful for our great salvation that we have. And God, Yes, things can be difficult today. Yes, things can be frustrating today. But God, it's a far cry from a third of the earth being wiped out. It's a far cry from the tribulation period. And God, certainly uh, the tribulation is far worse than, uh, than really what we could probably imagine it to be. And so, Father, we, I pray that you'd help us to be grateful and thankful uh, for, for our great salvation, the day and age in which we live and God, that we can look forward to uh, that trumpet sounding, God, and us being called out of here. And God, I pray that you would just bless, encourage, and strengthen each and every believer. Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. Maybe you just want to pray and thank God. Maybe you want to pray for a neighbor. Maybe you want to pray for a friend who doesn't know the Lord. And as we look at the book of Revelation, boy, we, we ought to be concerned about those who are, don't know the Lord, who are not saved. Be concerned for their souls. There's really nothing hindering the coming of the Lord, the trumpet of the Lord sounding tonight, tomorrow, next week, 
I'm not saying it's going to be this week. could very well be 10 years from now. We don't know. But I do know this. It will happen at some point. 